0: May we hear God's voice say to us, Son, you are always with me. Daughter, you are always with me. Beloved, you are always with me. Amen. Amen. Today's parable is the longest in all four gospels and I think it's probably one of the most often quoted. There is a danger to reading a gospel text which is so familiar, so familiar that we find ourselves distracted, and so we turn away from listening to its radical, simple, and challenging message, and rehearse simply the details we have all committed to memory as if the details were sufficient. As I prayed my way with this text, I returned to the words of the baptismal covenant that kept ringing in my consciousness. Will you persevere in resisting evil, and whenever you fall into sin? What? Repent and return to the Lord. Let's do that again, because we can. Will you persevere in resisting evil, and whenever you fall into sin, repent and return to the Lord? Uh, I will with well, We're getting there. It's, it's been a minute. It's been maybe even two. I will, with God's help. Those words of our baptismal promises, the promises you and I repeat whenever we reaffirm our baptismal covenant, are at the very heart of this text we have before us this morning. This pandemic has been a time of returning and returning and returning and departing and departing and departing. It is a rhythm that we know too well these days, but it is the rhythm in this gospel text that brings us face to face, face to face with love. How many times have you and I persevered in resisting evil? How many times have you and I fallen into the temptations of this very human life we live? And how many times have we presented ourselves as sinners to repent and return to the Lord? The question itself is startling in all its honesty, and the reality of human brokenness and its frailty is clear. The question is not phrased in our baptismal covenant, will you persevere in resisting evil, and if you fall into sin, repent and return to the Lord? But rather, It states the truth, that we will fall into sin. We do fall into sin, and we are blessed by the transformational grace of the Holy Spirit to find our way back to God, the God who waits for us in love. We repent, and we return to the Lord. And as if we could do anything on our own, we are reminded in this baptismal covenant in these promises, that we are not capable of doing so. Only with God's help do we repent and return time and time again, never on our own, never willfully returning, but only by the love that is unconditional and the mercy of God that is limitless do we return. And truth be told, we return by such grace Time and time and time again, thanks be to God." The parable, popularly referred to as the prodigal son, seems to me ill-named. The primary focus is really not either one of those sons, neither the eldest who, re- who resents the homecoming of his prodigal brother, and who resents the joy and welcome of his father, nor of the prodigal son himself, who returns with the hope of simply living a life of a hireling, who could then feed the pigs. As compelling a story as this might be, we miss the message of this gospel if we only go down the road with one or either of the sons or both. If we start diving into the details of each of their perspectives, as interesting and challenging as that may be, because we identify, perhaps, at one time in our life or another, with one or the other of those sons. But it's a rabbit hole. The rightful focus, I believe, that which is truly worthy of our attention, is on the parent. This loving parent the Father in this case, in this text, who demonstrates an unconditional love and forgiveness for the return of His Son. It is that singular focus that must be at the very heart of our reflection and our prayer. This is our God. This is the nature of our God, in whose image you and I are made. This is the nature of our God, who knows us, loves us, forgives us, waits for us, desires nothing more than our return to him. To embrace us and welcome us home. Home to dwell in the infinite love of God, where we belong. One of my professors once said, "Life." in God is a daring adventure through the uncharted depths of love. Life in God is a daring adventure through the uncharted depths of love, a love that we're not always willing to receive, let alone be it unconditional. It certainly rings true for me. I can easily recall the abundant times that I've repented and returned. I can recall the feeling of unworthiness in my returning, of the questioning, the doubting of my worthiness, the depths of my shame and the guilt that all but drowned me. I think it's easy for us as human beings to go down those roads, too, and turn our back on the foundational message that we are loved unconditionally for exactly who we are and who we are becoming, made in the image and likeness of God. How many times I can remember saying out loud, will you have me back, dear God? How many times will I come groveling to you and you welcome me home? No recrimination, no judgment, no exile, once again? The breadth of God's embrace is truly unknowable to us as human beings. The depth of God's love is incomprehensible and certainly immeasurable by all human standards. But this text does not exist so that we might analyze it and comprehend it and neatly tuck it away in some book of knowing, of knowledge. This is a text of the heart. The depth of God's love, certainly incomprehensible and mysterious as it is, is what draws us here. In the adult formation class this morning, Father Greg Boyle, who is a Jesuit priest, said, no kinship, no justice, no kinship, no peace. And we talked about what that meant. If we consider ourselves friends in Christ, well, friendship... friendship can waver. There is a rhythm of friendship that is not as compelling as the rhythm of kin of knowing that we are inextricably bound connected in love this unconditional love not only to the god who created us but to each other on this earth in this life the truth is like the parent in this parable unconditional love is unconditionally true You and I need not grovel in shame or unworthiness. In fact, I said this morning in adult formation, if we hold ourselves outside of the love and grace of God in Jesus Christ, if we don't accept that our own forgiveness, then it it compels us to put a barrier between us and someone else who has hurt us as well. We are welcomed home, with the same kind of rejoicing and celebration as we experience in this text. And there is no limit to our return. Prodigals are we all, each and every one of us. And still we are made in the image and likeness of a God who knew us and consecrated us even before we were born. So yes, we are born again and again, each and every time we repent and we return to the Lord. And there is dancing, and there is singing, and feasting, and celebrating for each of us in any moment in time when we do return. Some of us might feel that this parable smacks of what we humans have called cheap grace. The truth is that, in our repentance, we also commit to amending our lives. There is that as well. To the serious nature of our human response to the unconditional love of God, there is the matter of accountability before God. Real accountability. Real repentance. Real effort, then, in resisting evil, as the prayer book has it in a confession to repent of the evil we have done, and the evil done, on our behalf. For sure, the confession of sin is essential to a life of faith, but not because God judges us. It is more important that you and I name our sinfulness, our intentionality, when we hurt another, and let it go not to be held hostage by guilt or shame or weighed down. Our forgiveness in God, through Jesus Christ, is assured. The sacrament of the reconciliation of a penitent is also a means of grace we are given in our walk in faith in the Book of Common Prayer. If you've never experienced celebrating the sacrament of reconciliation of a penitent, think about it. It's an extraordinary experience. The truth of the matter is, I love a party. I love a good party. And to think that my creator would rejoice at my return simply overwhelms me. The text stands as a challenging reminder that the unconditional love of God in Jesus Christ demands that I speak the truth and accept the love that is God's to give me. The verses of Charlotte Elliott's hymn text come to mind. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Just as I am, thy love unknown has broken every barrier down. Now to be thine, yea, thine alone, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. As we are all called to witness in the world a kind of reconciliation that comes from unconditional forgiveness, is the truth of our faith. It is our vocation, and most especially we who consider ourselves members of a church that names itself Church of Reconciliation. We identify as reconcilers. It's part of our vocation by virtue of our belonging here. And this kind of reconciliation to which we are called does not weigh our merits but it pardons our offenses. This fourth Sunday of Lent is also referred to as Laetare Sunday, a Sunday to rejoice. Even in the midst of the season of Lent, you and I are called out of the weightiness, perhaps, of what we carry. And we are called to rejoice in the unconditional love that awaits our return time and time again. So rejoice, we must. On this Sunday, we are invited to cast our eyes forward and to open our hearts to the expectation of resurrection joy, to celebrate the fulfillment of God's promise of redemption once and for all by the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ. May you and I surrender to the joy of this day. May our hearts anticipate the glory of resurrection. May we continue together to persevere in resisting evil, and whenever we fall into sin, repent and return to the Lord. May we know that it is the love, the unconditional love of God in Jesus Christ that welcomes us home time and time again for you and I, our beloveds. Amen.